Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I sit down with Patria Ashelin. The Peaceful Power Podcast is here to help you live a movement-based lifestyle, utilizing fitness, yoga, and Ayurvedic techniques. Each week, I will bring you a motivational guest or a solo show geared to help you take action to live that peaceful, powerful life. So Patria is someone that I was introduced to from one of my past guests, um, she had recommended her as a Pilates and a strength and conditioning specialist. So I have not talked a lot about Pilates on the show before, so I thought she would be a great guest to kind of um, intro some more about if anyone out there is interested in Pilates and if Matt or Reformer is best for you. And she also has a 15 to fit program that we talked about, and that's kind of the philosophy that her studio runs from, is that 15 to fit. Uh, she's also a gymnast in the past, and um, her upbringing, she actually did not come from Um, necessarily a fit family. And she talks about that towards the end of the interview as well, which I think is definitely motivational and inspirational because I think sometimes um, when we're in the fitness world, we forget that not everyone does come from that uh, fitness, like always loved fitness since I was a little kid background and had great role models around us. Like that's not always the case. And I think Patria does a really good job of sharing um, her experience and how she uh, fell into gymnastics. So um, without further ado, here is today's interview. Welcome to the Peaceful Power podcast. Today I have Patria with me and we are going to kind of deep dive into something I don't think I've actually talked about on the podcast at all, our Pilates. So I'm kind of intrigued by this because I don't know much about Pilates, but before okay. we dive into that, um, I really want to know a little bit more about you, Patria, and what is your fitness background? Um, it's, it's kind of long. No, go for it. I started gymnastics when I was nine and I did, um, gymnastics throughout college. Um, I got a college scholarship to Ball State University in Indiana. Um, and I studied exercise science there and I graduated. And then, um, I taught elite gymnasts for a, a couple of years and then decided really that wasn't for me and got into, um, helping adults become healthier. And I, um, I did uh, weight training programs, and then I worked for, um, many people have heard of the Graston technique, and it's a technique now that's worldwide, but in the mid-90s, it was really only in Indianapolis, and I worked for that um, technique that helps break down scar tissue. So I had a really good physical therapy experience there. Um, I did fitness competitions for 10 years throughout my 20s, and then um about 12 years ago I found Pilates and I just completely fell in love with it and it was just really healing and um I definitely cut back my weight training and 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 do mostly Pilates and uh really strength-based Pilates so wow so what what about Pilates made you kind of intrigued or what was it that really drew you in I mean, it's funny because there's a the pitcher for the Cubs, um, and as everybody knows, the Cubs won the World Series last year, and their their primary pitcher is this guy named Jake Arrieta, and he said, like, he took this session, and this kind of cracks me up because he, he um, attended this Pilates session in Austin, Texas, and it was, like, next to a bakery, so he was, like, just going to go to this bakery, and then he sees this Pilates session or studio, and he's like, yeah, sure, let me try this out. And he said within the first session, he just knew. He just said to her, this stuff is life-changing. He started doing it six days a week for like 90-minute sessions. And a year later, he won the Cy Young Award. So it's funny um, because I had a similar experience. Like I just got on this machine. I was like, what the heck is this stuff? Like I just need to know more about it. And I, um, 
I came home from that session and I told my husband, um, I was like, we're ordering a reformer, so it'll save me money. <laughs> because um, I just thought, this is a joke, and I say this in air quotes, I thought it would take a couple of months for me to learn how to teach Pilates. And it's 11 years later, and I'm still like, you know, studying it voraciously and everything. So um, I just fell in love with it. I don't know what else to say. It was like love at first try or something. And I just... It, the system was so comprehensive. I just n knew that I needed to know more about it. And it was really difficult. And I, you know, coming out of gymnastics, I'm, I'm a little where I feel like, well, I could do anything. I did gymnastics, which is kind of true because gymnastics is pretty crazy and it's pretty intense and you have to be really strong to do it. So I always think, oh, this can't be that hard. I did gymnastics, but I was doing Pilates and I was like, what is this? <laughs> I was kind of whipping off all these moves and I'm thinking, this is easy. And then she's like, wait a minute. And I was doing it wrong. So when she corrected me, I realized how hard it was. But the thing that I love so much about it, at the end of the session, I felt like I had a really great workout, but my back didn't hurt. And I had a lot of back pain from doing gymnastics for so long and fitness competitions for 10 years. And it wasn't that I just had a great workout. I, my body felt great. And so that was really what, what closed the deal for me. So I, um, I bought a reformer. I put it in my garage and I'm like, just like, just like Steve jobs. I started my business out of a garage. <laughs> That's great. Minus the billions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's coming. That's coming. <laughs> yes. Working on it. Uh, so yeah, I also had kind of a similar experience when I did Pilates. Um, the first time I was a three sport athlete in college myself. And so I went to class thinking, Oh, I'm just going to breeze through these private sessions because we had to take them before we could even go to a class at the studio. I right. went to. And I remember like the teacher was like, all right, now let's do this. And I was like, push your low back down and pulse and lift up and I'm like here and I'm just doing it. She's like, no, those are completely the wrong muscles. I'm like, what? Right, right. All those oh, little yeah. muscles that, you know, as yeah. athletes, we're used to turning on those big muscles. And then now all Pilates, right. it's completely shut those down, turn on the little muscles. And yeah. all of a sudden we're like, what's going on? You know, yeah. how do you kind of help break that down for people who might not be used to that because they're like turn off the big muscles what does that even mean well i i so i used to train a whole football team in oh, indianapolis wow. and um and they're uh, it's cathedral high school and they're really like a powerhouse school um they i, I jokingly say it, but they really they won state five years in a row and um that's some kind of national not not a total record but it's in like the top five of sports teams of all time and four of those years they were doing pilates Wow. And then, and then I moved away and they started losing. So yeah. I, <laughs> they, but they have a really, they lost that, that next, they lost that sixth the one, but they, they've won since then. I mean, they're spectacular and have a great, really strong program, but um, no, how I help them. Uh, athletes grip with their quads. They like to like kind of like really overuse their quads and kind of they lock their legs out and they muscle through things, you know, cause they're used to using speed and momentum and stuff to their advantage. So this is totally different. Um, it's a lot of cueing. Um, I guess a lot of patience, you know, getting the relax. And I think I really understand because I was the same way. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of funny when you see the light bulb go off, you know, they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess, I guess when they, when they, when their abs are shaking, that makes me happy. <laughs> so. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so what about if people are kind of interested into Pilates, what's the main difference between like a mat Pilates class and then like doing Pilates on a reformer? 
Well, um, they're both strenuous, but I would say that the reformer gets you more comprehensive work. It helps you work your upper body and your legs more. Um, and then what we train on are the Allegro two reformers and the foot bar moves. So that's more contemporary and that adds a lot of variety. So I would just say the difference is more of the variety and then just, you know, more of a total body upper and lower body. Um, although I have a lot of clients when we do mat with them and they think it's harder because they don't get to stop. It's a continuous, you know, there's no equipment mm -hmm. to change and it's the transition when you're doing classical Pilates is, you, you know, you're going the whole time because the transitions are even exercises. So, so I think anything that you don't do the most is the hardest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. I totally think that would be true. Um, what yeah. if someone's trying to add this into their routine? Is this something that you do every day or how do you best tell people, here's how you can do Pilates into your regular fitness routine? Um, well, it's, it's very complimentary. I mean, certainly, you know, we're at the studio, we encourage people to, to, you know, dive in, um, you know, starting, uh, if they, if they're not on another fitness regimen, if they start, you know, three days a week here for a couple of weeks and then move up to four days a week. I mean, we have a, a comprehensive system here where we involve, um, cross cores, which are similar to TRX. So we're very strength based. So we, alternate more of these strength Pilates workouts with kind of, um, not classical per se, but more traditional and the precise um, Pilates. So we mix it up. So, um, but how to incorporate it? I mean, I, I really feel that people need to do a minimum of two days a week of Pilates to make it worth their while, um, whatever they're doing. If they're, you know, super busy, um, like triathletes or something, I, I almost think they have to do mat, incorporate that in because it just is obviously more convenient, you know, and they get in those exercises during the time, like during their, you know, right, like you kind of use it as a warm up, like an activation warm up for running or swimming or biking. Yeah, so, so sense. yeah, so minimum two days a week for whoever's starting. Yeah. Um, what about your kind of 15 to fit program and the philosophy behind it? I was reading a little bit about it on your website and I was really intrigued by kind of the outline of that. And I think it's a unique and special program. Can you tell us a little more about what that is? So really, um, it really goes back to when I was in grad school and I had this professor say um, that when elderly people, uh, as they age, they, they'll like, for instance, quit putting cans up on the high shelf. And it's not because they don't have the range of motion in their arms to do it. It's because their, their deltoids get so atrophied they can't lift their arm up anymore. And I thought, oh my gosh, so if these people would just do it's something like 15 minutes a day. It's a huge um, impact on the quality of their life over time. And then I also think it's um, if you just tell yourself, because sometimes it's daunting to say, Oh, I'm going to go out and run for an hour. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, even, even trainers, I mean, I, I love to exercise, but there's days when I have to make myself do it. So if you could just say to yourself, all right, fine, I'm just doing 15 minutes and you might get out there and you might be able to do more, but at least you're doing something and it's also momentum building. So we, you know, of course we're, a, I have a Pilates studio. So we of course want people to come into the studio um, because they get pushed more, but we also teach them, we empower them to, and educate them on what to do on their off time, like days they can't come in, days they have a sick kid, days they're on vacation or something. So they're doing, and they, they learn how to do some strength-based exercises. 
That, yes, I work with some seniors. Um, I teach a Monday class and it's a strength. And then I actually just told them um, that I was going to do some yoga with them. I'm going to do some chair yoga teacher training. And so I asked if they were interested and they all, you know, um, agreed that they have heard good things about yoga and they would be interested uh -huh. as long as they didn't have to do the headstands. <laughs> and I said, don't worry, <laughs> yeah. I won't make you do that. But I think some of that, like just being, um, you know, the exposure to them and teaching you know, especially the aging population as we are all aging and just right. showing those people, especially baby boomer generation, you know, like we need to keep moving. So we don't have those issues and we don't have to not put things on the top shelf because, you know, our deltoids are no longer capable of, you know, having right. that range of motion, like making ourselves strong. You know, how do you kind of reach yeah. that message to people who might not um, be wanting to come in to do the Pilates or do you not? Um, how do we reach people that... I think, um, it, so it's not just about like older people are retraining. I'm just saying like throughout your life, if you oh, yeah. would always do 15 minutes and starting in your twenties, you know, I had a, I have a, a, a young client, um, she's in her late twenties and, and she asked me, what's the best way to stay fit in your forties? And I was like, don't get out of shape in your thirties. <laughs> like, like, stay in shape now. Like de develop the habit when you don't necessarily need to, mm -hmm. you know, to look a certain way, but to develop it to stay strong. So um, I think the way we reach people is certainly through um, Facebook and a lot of our personal stories. Um, you know, I have a lot of clients who are like, oh, I'm too old to lose weight. Your metabolism slows so much. I can't do it. And these clients are, you know, 41, 42 years old. And I, uh, we have a client here that's 74. She might be 75 now. Um, she lost 35 pounds in six months. And that was a year Amazing. ago. She's kept it off this whole time. And you're kind of like, well, she's 74. And she <laughs> lost weight. So it kind of it kind of ruins some excuses. Um, mm -hmm. I think more than anything, it's getting people that, you know, to share their stories about th this is what it took. And this is what I did. And um, I mean, Pilates is really different. It's not as strenuous as other, it doesn't mean it's not difficult and the results are great, but it's not as um, physically taxing and it's certainly not as abusive as some of this like, you know, boot camp stuff that's going on where people think they have to flip tires to get in shape, but you, you really don't have to. And I laugh because I'm pretty like, even though I was a jock my whole life, I'm still pretty girly. And I'm like, why would you flip a tire? Is your phone broken? <laughs> you don't, that's not functional. If my car breaks down, I'm calling somebody. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm not trying to make people mad. It's just kind of like, I just don't think you have to go to that extreme to get in shape. You have to really, you know, focus on eating super healthy food and, and getting the calories where you need them to be. And then exercising in a way that you enjoy or at least enjoy the results and continually build on it instead of trying to, you know, be the American way of, oh, I'm going to lose 30 pounds in 30 days. I mean, that, that's not lasting. So you're looking at, you know, changing behavior over the long term that's manageable. So, yeah, I like what you said, too, about the, um, you know, advice to the 20 year old, because I think that sometimes that's, I mean, it's kind of an obvious answer that I think we sometimes forget, like, we'll just stay in shape. And you're kind of like, oh well, I guess I could do that. You know, that's 20 years of basically hard work in the sense of I'm constantly working on myself. And I love that, you know, kind of approach because I think sometimes we just assume once we get to a certain age, everything falls apart when that doesn't have to be, you know, just doing basic things year after year, it will keep you in shape. It will keep you getting the results that you're looking for.
Yes, right. And that's that whole 15 to fit philosophy. Like it doesn't have to be super hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, break it down in chunks. It's over the long term. And I, and I just, um, I see so many people that they just, and it's hard because of the diet industry and, and even the fitness industry where they're sold this bill of goods of like, it has to be extreme. You have to cut out all your bread. You have to cut up and, and people only ever want to cut out their favorite foods. I'm like, well, do you like pizza? Yeah, I love pizza. Well, that's kind of unreasonable to think you're never going to eat a piece of pizza again. Mm-hmm. I'm like, just eat a piece of pizza. And then two weeks later, eat another piece. <laughs> Don't not eat pizza for three months and then eat a pan of pizza. You know, it's, it's really at, at, at a, like, I don't know why this is controversial, but I see it over and over and over. And I'm a, um, a very active member of the national strength and conditioning association. And all the science points to calorie reduction. I mean, that's what works. You cut your calories, you lose weight. It's not sexy but you cut two or 300 calories every day, you're going to lose weight, um, you know, eventually, like a half a pound, a pound at a time, 10 pounds over three months. And people think that that's bad results. But I was like, well, that's 40 pounds in a year. And yeah. it's and it's weight that's staying off. It's not, you know, 25 pounds and it's not the biggest loser, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I think that's probably gotten some of it over culture, you know, just because we have seen the biggest loser where they do lose 10 pounds, 12 pounds in a week, which then we think, oh, we've only lost maybe half a pound in a week. And we think that's bad when it's really, it's not, it's common, it's standard. You know, if that's people's goals, that weight loss, you know, that is a totally acceptable number. And I always tell people too, I'm like, well, the max usually I'll see people lose in a month is like eight pounds and that's losing two pounds a week. That means, you know, typically, you're really on it in terms of you're getting all the workouts in, you're That's really right. sticking to your diet meal plan which for the average person is not going to happen every day of the week. And so that's also what I tell people. I'm like, that's like on a really amazing month. Have I seen it? Yes. Is it realistic? No, because usually the next month they fall back to four pounds because that's going to be a little bit more, you know, Hey, I had a, not necessarily because I don't like to think of it as a slip up, but like, Hey, I might've had that piece of pizza or two and then a glass of wine. And you know what? That might, you know, hurt your pound or half pound per week. But in the long run, that's definitely a more doable fitness goal and you know, yes. nutrition approach. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. What other mindset shifts have you seen with um, clients that you've worked with? Um, massive ones, actually. <laughs> and, and I mean, it's really, that's the best thing. Um, when I have people, we do um, quarterly consults with our clients and, and, you know, we've had some clients that have certainly struggled over years and years, like 15, 20 years, struggled with their weight. Um, you know, they're 70 or 80 pounds overweight. Um, and they'll come in and they'll, I, I mean, it really does bring a tear to my eye when they're like, this is the best thing I've ever done for myself. Like, I love it here. I love the community. I love the, I, I love the Pilates workouts and the strength that you do here. Um, but their mind changes because really it's a matter of like sometimes you know when you when you tell people really the scientific facts of weight loss and strength building and and how to adopt a a healthy lifestyle they've heard so much misinformation they think you're lying Mm. (laughs) they're like you mean eat sensibly and just work out four or five days a week in a reasonable way that that can't work you know but when they their mind shifts when they start to I just think the benefits of Pilates immediately you feel better. I mean, like it's, it's very instant gratification and that 
you feel better when you leave. And I, and I know there's other workouts where you get to that point, but I think a lot of times they're so strenuous and so difficult that if somebody's deconditioned, they don't feel good when they leave. They're, mm -hmm. they're sick or they're, or they're hurt. But Pilates is so healing and it feels so good that they physically feel better. So then they go, oh, well, this helps my stress. I just feel better. Like my whole night went better or my whole day goes better if I do this in the morning. So that, that helps them. They shift because um, they start to not look at exercise as punishment or, or as a, you know, a, a price they have to pay for sinning for eating too much bread or whatever, you know, so they shift their, their whole approach as I want to eat healthy because I feel good, not because I'm, you know, just trying to be a size zero or whatever. Mm. Yes. I think that's, um, you know, another, I think, biggest loser, you know, contributor, I guess, would be the um, way that we work out and thinking that, oh, Pilates isn't quote unquote count as a workout. Same with yoga. You know, I used to be of that mindset myself and I am a yoga teacher and mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, it doesn't count as a workout, even though why, why, who says it doesn't, are you moving your body? Yes. Are you doing something? Yes. Are your muscles working? Yes. But I think that because what we saw or, you know, when I was growing up too, especially like that, that's what we saw. We had to be throwing up at the gym to make it count when science <laughs> shows us that's not exactly what's even good for our body. We just did everything that we did well during a workout. We ended up losing it because we ended up throwing up afterwards. So I think some of that, I think was that old school mentality of working out um, that a lot of the times we have to kind of get rid of and say, okay, there are other ways to work out and it feels better in our bodies. And it just feels better. So this is, um, so Sunday, I, I mean, just is kind of like the power of Pilates, another story, like it, it's primarily again, what I do. And I, I did do gymnastics, but I haven't done gymnastics for 30 years, you know, at a mm -hmm. level of on equipment and stuff. So um, I went rock climbing for the first time, like not, I was, I've done indoor for a while, but not like legitimate, go outside, get on rocks and climb up them, you know, like with the rappelling and all that stuff. Yeah. So anyway, um, you know, we hike in with 40 pound pack on our back or we're hiking for like a half an hour and then find these cliffs to climb and get up there and then hiking down. So anyway, at the end of it, I was, I was really hungry. I mean, I had like, drove like back to my, um, my neighborhood as like, you know, a 45 minute drive or whatever. And so then I really started to get hungry and I went to, um, uh, some bagel place and I had a, um, like a turkey bagel sandwich or something. And then after that I was still hungry and I was like, Oh, it's fall. Yay. I ordered this pumpkin spice bagel and the woman, he, and it was just funny when she said that, cause she goes, Oh, well, when you, you know, cause I was like, Oh, I'm so excited. I rock climbed day for the first time ever. And she goes, Oh, well then you don't have to feel guilty about this. And I was like, what? Oh. what? Like, I don't. And then it, this is a huge mindset just for oh. me, like a mindset shift growing up in gymnastics. I was like, I mean, I don't even remember the last time I felt guilty about eating something. Yes. I know. <laughs> like, I know. That's not even a thing. I mean, that doesn't have to be a thing. Like guilt I mean I, yeah I certainly like I've eaten stuff before I think you know I shouldn't have eaten that but I don't I don't have guilt about you know eating a bagel I guess I, yeah. I don't know it's just no that I, is I'm, a really good point because I I'm the same way I I know a lot of um you know women that I've worked with in the past and um, I think it's starting to shift our, you know, kind of our view on this as a country, um, mm -hmm. in terms of like, Hey, this is, this is my guilty pleasure, or now I've burned off the calories I'm about to eat. You know, if I have a donut or whatnot. And, um, I remember seeing a, 
I trained these two young girls and I saw their mom at a, it was at like a coffee and donut shop. And then mm-hmm. I ordered a donut. And I also think I was very newly pregnant at the time too. All right. And um, I'm like, uh, and the mom was kind of like, oh, I caught you. And I was like, okay, what? you know, what do you mean? <laughs> She's like, you're eating a donut. And I was like, I'm, I really don't feel guilty about, like, I don't know what to tell her. So I was like, oh, I'm bringing it for a friend. Like I lied to her and I was like, why did I just do that? Like, <laughs> I, who cares? I don't care. Like, this is not my guilty right. pleasure. But I think that again, it's kind of that mentality of like, oh, did you earn that? Did you, you know, why are you eating this? And I'm like, but we're human. Like, no matter if you're in the fitness world or not, like we eat those types of things, you know? I'm no, like, and, it's and I, human nature. <laughs> I know. And if you tell yourself you can't ever have donuts, it's going to make you want 10. All you're going to want. Yeah. I sincerely don't like donuts. Like, I mean, I'm not saying I can't eat any, but I just don't seek that out. That's not my thing. But so, I mean, I I, I was just so happy that I feel like I've come really far, especially growing up in gymnastics, that I've come so far of like not feeling bad that I'm eating a pumpkin bagel. I mean, that's what I would say. Like, did you have any mindset while you were in gymnastics around food? Because I think that would be a sport oh, that would be it couldn't hard. Have, it couldn't have been worse. It couldn't have been worse. I mean, I have, um, I have a blog and I, I really chronicle like my, my kind of life in the fitness industry. And then, you know, and, and as a young child, so I, um, I had a really dysfunctional family, um, you know, uh, alcoholic home and all this like craziness. And, and actually my parents were really incredibly sedentary and they, they were smokers. And I don't know why this makes me laugh so much, but my dad hated exercise so much that like my neighbor, um, from back home, she would go out and jog. And he, if she, if he was driving in our little town and he would see her, he was like, what's wrong? Is your car broken? (laughs) (laughs) Like he was like, do you need a ride somewhere? Like what's wrong with that? So, so I had this kind of example and then I, I just found gymnastics and it was my, um, my saving grace, I guess. And, um, I don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) No, that, that actually is interesting just to see your background and, you know, growing up with fitness and you still found, you know, fitness and that's what you do, even though you probably had the cards stacked against you. No, let's be clear. I grew up, grew up with smoking, drinking, and overweight. <laughs> that's not, I, no, but I, you know, there was a, a really impactful coach that I had when I was a kid and he, um, and, and really gymnastics is what, what changed the whole trajectory of my life. So um, I, I couldn't have been more unhealthy though, because I had like a lot of feelings about things that I really wasn't allowed to express as a kid. And then um, I was extraordinarily big for a gymnast. I'm, I'm five, nine and weigh about 160. And like when I graduated from college or from high school, I, I was like, you know, five, nine and weighed about 155. So that was, I, I thought I was a giant. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm definitely tall and, but I'm not t- really that tall for a person. I'm just, I'm, I'm like LeBron James. <laughs> so, yeah, you so are. You are. Yeah. I'm 5'10". So I'm like, yeah, that, yeah, that would be tall for a gymnast. Cause I, we didn't have gymnastics at our school, but I, yeah, I don't know if I've seen a, that tall of a gymnast. Well, before. usually when they get taller, they quit, but my, I couldn't do anything else. I mean, I literally can't catch a ball and I love gymnastics and I'm like, well, what else can I do? And, and, um, I, I tried volleyball. It was terrible. I was like on the B team in ninth grade. Like I had no chance. So. And then like I, I had, um, two C's in college and one was in tennis. <laughs> 
<laughs> so my, my one friend would say about my tennis games, well, she goes, well, you look good. And then you start to move. <laughs> so, so no, but honestly, I've had a huge mindset shifts in um, just how I approach like fitness and body image and, and eating and all of it. I mean, I feel like I've, um, it was really hard going through all that, but I feel like in that respect, I'm a, a good example of what's possible. Mm, yeah, you know? no, I totally, I would agree with that. Um, so then how did you, what got you started with, um, running your own studio? When did that come about then? Well, I mean, I started my own business in 1998. Um, I I did in-home personal training. I really liked the flexibility of working for myself and, um, and just, I just really loved training people. I mean, it was, um, and and even that in-home was so personal, you know, you know, the dogs, you meet their kids, like you could just have a really big impact and and it was fun. So, Mm I mean, I, I tell people this all the time, like I've worked my whole entire life and I work really hard. I get up at five in the morning, but I feel like I've never had a real job because I wear my pajamas to work every day. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate. (laughs) They're not really pajamas and now they're like, you know, nicer prana clothes and stuff. But, um, but no, I mean, uh, I just love what I do. So how it came about, um, I, well, I bought that reformer and I put it in the garage. And I remember when I bought it, I told my husband, don't worry, by the time it gets here, we'll have a place to have a place to put it. Like I was going to try to do it in the chiropractor's office or something like that. And then I got the reformer in May. And this is when we lived in Indianapolis. And by November, I still hadn't found a place. (laughs) My husband is like, listen up, I'm parking this thing in the garage. So you have to find a place. So, um, I mean, I had babies then. My my daughter was literally a baby. So she's totally grown up. Like, you know, she was in that baby gate play yard watching me train people um, on a reformer in the garage. Um, There was carpet down. I didn't. (laughs) So, um, so they've seen that. Um, growing up and then so anyway so then we um we got a location and it was just really small I just had like one reformer and then I don't know it's it's really like my addiction and then I still just you know I started growing it and then um we went to another location and I and I'll tell you what it was the when the economy tanked because previous to that I'd always just done privates or duets but when um 2008 happened um I was just incredibly insistent, insistent. I was like, I'm not going down with this. I'm not making the economy my excuse for everything. And my business tripled that year in 2009 because I bought um, three more reformers and I made it cheaper for people and we did group classes. And so really that's, that's what shifted it. And then I started to get other instructors and um, it's just grown from there. So now we have um, nine reformers and we really have stations with springboards and cross cores. And then, we're working on this um, ladder system too that involves the Pilates springboard. So, um, so, so now I'm, I, I, I'm hopefully going to be buying less Pilates equipment and just inventing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> That'd so, be awesome too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you so were kind of on the group fitness trend with like combining small groups kind of before it even happened then. Well, I think people were forced into it in 2009, right? Like it just yeah. happened because yeah. um, when the economy hit my, my, you know, most economically successful clients, like, you know, even the private jet set when they were like, oh, we have to cut back. Then that's when I knew, you know, we got to, we got to shift some things. Yeah. So um, it's smart, it, it, smart business. Definitely. Well, it was more of like, uh, thank you. But it was more just like determination of like this, 
going to work. It's not going to take. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, so. now I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, I have, I work with a lot of pregnant women and postpartum. Uh-huh. Um, so with Pilates, when, what do you recommend for pregnancy? Like, is it safe to continue during pregnancy or what's kind of the protocol there? It's absolutely safe, but I really think they have to do privates. I mean, I trained, um, one of my, uh, you know, I've trained a, a lot of pregnant women. Um, but w- one woman in particular, she was my, um, college gymnastics teammate and my roommate. And she, um, was a triathlete. I mean, a, like an Ironman triathlete, like she's winning stuff, you know what I mean? So she's really into it. But when she got pregnant, um, she wanted to continue running what she did, but I trained her. I think she had her last session was maybe a week before her daughter was born. So, um, or actually her son, sorry. It was, uh, so you can train up until the end, but I think it's, unless it's a specific prenatal class, I think it's really difficult to do in a Pilates class because as you know, you know, some women aren't affected at all by lying on their back when they're pregnant, mm-hmm. but some women are really affected and they're not supposed to, you know, the, the ACOG guidelines are like, you know, you're not on your back for more than two minutes at a time. So obviously, you know, like we start most of our classes and they're, they're spending five or 10 minutes in a row on their back. So to have a, a prenatal, um, after the first trimester, it's, it's just difficult. So, um, but I think it's a great safe exercise, but I think again, it's more in a private situation or if you're training a whole class of, of prenatal clients and it's okay. Yeah, I think that same with yoga. I found when I was pregnant myself, I found it easier probably about halfway through the pregnancy just to start going to only prenatal yoga classes just yeah. because I, you know, I am a teacher, so I could modify myself during class. Right. But then you're kind of like, I don't know, I'm kind of, I already stick out because I'm the pregnant gal in class and people right. are staring at you. So just more comfortable to be around other women who are pregnant. I found, you know, later what? in the pregnancy anyway. Yeah, but you also know what to modify. So if yes. you're pregnant and you don't know what to modify, oh, yeah. then it's totally even harder. Yeah. yeah. So and some of the yoga no. teachers don't know how to modify because they haven't, you know, I've studied that. And so I knew what I was right. doing, but I know a lot of the teachers, like they were like, oh, it's safe to do. And I'm like, but I'm not supposed to no, be in my first not. trimester. <laughs> so like little yeah. things like that, where again, the, you know, the average person wouldn't know those things and they're trusting the instructor. So that's why I always just kind of, right. you know, try to yeah. be an advocate for yourself and just do what you feel comfortable doing. Well, yes, but also, you mean you feel comfortable as a pregnant woman going into a yoga class? Is that what you mean? Like during class. So if they say, Hey, you know, do this balancing, twisting thing. And you're like, you know what? My balance has been a little off today, you know, listening to your body and maybe right. that balancing pose for the day. Right. That's true. Yeah. But I think sometimes things that you think are comfortable, they're not necessarily the best thing for you when you're pregnant, you know, to like mm-hmm. overstretch because oh, you're yeah. already, it's, it, it's somewhat, you know, it can be detrimental even though it, it's comfortable. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I was relaxed, uh, the relaxing that, you know, goes through the joints. I always was joked. I was like, I apparently never got that because I consider myself the inflexible <laughs> yoga teacher and I, yeah. I was all excited to get some relaxing so I could get like a little bit more flexible. And I'm right. sure I never got any more flexible, like pre or post. And I'm like, just waiting for it. And I'm like, nope, never came. <laughs> like, meanwhile, my clients are like, oh, easily who were pregnant at the time too, easily going into these side bends. And I'm like, oh man, gosh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, flexibility is good to a level. And then after oh, a yeah. while it becomes instability, you know? Yes. Yes. 
Oh, yeah. I totally agree with that too. Uh, so that kind of comes into the postpartum training. You know, what, what about Pilates and anything in particular you recommend for people um, when they are postpartum? Well, of course, I'd always say, you know, it, it depends on what their, their personal doctor is allowing them to do, number one, because it all depends on, you know, how their labor and delivery went and, and also their, um, their recovery schedule. And I mean that sincerely, like, do you have a colicky baby that's screaming all night or, you know, that's why it has to be, and also their, their support at home. So that's a huge factor in it. Um, you know, before like developing some kind of unrealistic schedule to Heidi Klum your way back into a Victoria's Secrets <laughs> photo shoot in two months or whatever she did, which I haven't liked her since then. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, but, <laughs> but not really. <laughs> no, anyway, um, I think, uh, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question right. Uh, what did you ask again? If there's anything in particular that you would recommend for like the postpartum mom who might be coming back into Pilates or anything they should avoid? Um, I, well, I think first of all, depending on how postpartum you are, if you're talking like two months, you know, you really have to take it easy, like, and be reasonable about what is possible. If, if you're the primary caretaker and you are, you know, telling yourself you have to be at a 6 a.m. class three days a week, that I think sleep is, is more important than pretty much everything else when you have a newborn. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I'm being sincere. Like, I think that's unreasonable. Like, you should be like, look, if, you, if he's sleeping and you have a chance to get an extra three hours in, take it. That's, yeah. that's more important than a workout. So that's, again, where that 15-minute comes in if you're educated and you know what to do then you can spend you know if you have 15 minutes at home you know which you might not when you have a newborn but, um, to, to spend it doing I mean Pilates is amazing for that because it's so much um, rehab for the pelvic floor and doing a deep abdominal pull-ins I love that I mean you're at least for me I mean I was 32 and I had my son and I was a train wreck. I mean, my body just felt bad from taking care of him. You know, he was really big. He was just huge and carrying him all the time and doing all that corrective exercise is so beneficial. So um, I, I think it all starts, if we're talking immediate postpartum, I think it starts with deep abdominal pull-ins um, and then and Kegels and, um, and then progresses to pelvic lift. Uh, I, I remember lying on the roller a lot um, the foam roller to just kind of combat that rounded posture from carrying, you know, carrying him and feeding him and all of that. So um, I think it, it certainly starts with with pelvic floor and, and core and then goes on to, you know, corrective exercises, whether that's Pilates or whether that's strength training, really doing whatever you can to build up your uh, your back muscles, your posterior chain, all of that is, is super important to just feel better. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that too. The, the entire back body, oh, that I am a big fan of working that, um, you know, no matter if you're postpartum or just in general, because I find that a lot of people, we are sitting all day long. And so working that back body um, and the glutes in particular. Yes, yes. Yep. He, yeah. Well, it's just a key to feeling better. But um, besides that, you know, the weight loss part of it, um, I mean, and I'm not trying to get political or whatever, and I know this is a touchy subject, and I understand some people have a very difficult time breastfeeding, but when I looked at the calorie burn for breastfeeding and the calorie burn for running on the treadmill for an hour, I was like, I'm breastfeeding. 
like, and, and I know it doesn't help you with the very last 10 pounds and to really lean down, but I, um, on my six week checkup, I, um, for my son, they said, well, the good news is you've lost 40 pounds and the bad news is you have 40 pounds to go. So I gained, I didn't even know it. I gained 80 pounds with him, but I lost 70 pounds in four months and it was largely due to breastfeeding. I mean, I just ate when I was hungry. I didn't freak out and get on some wacky diet, but, um, I just went back to eating what I ate before I was pregnant and, you know, 70 pounds in four months is pretty good. And then I probably, it took me a year to get rid of everything. Like until I was down to where I was before, like the last 10, cause he breastfed for about a year, but the hormonally, maybe he breastfed for like 11 months or whatever the case, but anyway. Oh, yeah. So, so I guess part of that post, like postpartum recovery is certainly breastfeeding because it, it helps you lose weight. Yeah. I mean, that's, well, for me, I did not. I, I was the opposite end of, I didn't lose any weight until I was done breastfeeding. Cause I know, uh -huh. um, that's one thing I always tell women too. I'm like, just because you breastfeed doesn't mean you're going to lose the weight. Um, some people cling onto it just because of the hormone shift. And I was one of those people who just, I didn't lose anything until I was done breastfeeding. And, um, you know, I always just warn people about that too. I'm like, oh, don't get frustrated. You know, it's, it really is your hormones and how it shifts in your body. And it might look different to you than your friend. You know, I had clients who a couple of us, you know, didn't until we were done breastfeeding and others lost it right away with breastfeeding. So I'm like, it just, right. that's funny. Yeah. I so. guess it depends like what you're, yeah. I mean, if you, you know, if you only gained 25 pounds, I could see how you wouldn't lose it really fast. But I, I was so extraordinarily over my normal weight that I think that's why I lost it, some of it so fast, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I know. That's such an individual, like who knows, you know, and you don't really, I mean, a lot of times you don't know, because that's where people are like, how do I know? I'm like, you, you really don't tell your you know, postpartum, you know, what your body is going to do and how birth went and how your baby is sleeping and are you sleeping and right. not, you know, and so all of that stuff plays a factor. And so I'm just like, just be chill, be in the process. It is a process. Take your time, you know, enjoy this time with your little one. Cause they're only that little for so long. I know. And I do, I mean, I do think it's really important that, um, you know, you do your best to get back in shape be between kids. Cause I think it's just becomes insurmountable at some point. If you're, you know, you're 50 pounds over what you were before, you know, but, but you, you really do have the rest of your life to get super, whatever your fitness goal is like that first year is so with the first year at the first one is, is so much work. And I think it's completely unreasonable to be like, Oh, you know, I'm going to get in my jeans in three months. Yeah, no, I definitely you know that. And especially with society tells us sometimes that. And so just being like, uh, it's your process, it's your journey, you know, take your time if you want. Don't feel like you need to be there like Heidi Klum, you know, in six weeks or whatever, you know, that's not probably the realistic for most women. Um, you know, just having time and the ease with that, because that's definitely, I think, a touchy time for, you know, women, many women after, you know, having babies. Yeah, it's the biggest identity shift you really have. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. and plus, you know, now that my son, it blows my mind to this day that he's 14 years old, 6'5", and 200 pounds. And he's so extraordinarily much bigger than I am. And I was like, I cannot believe he was a baby I used to carry around. You know, it, it really goes so fast. Everybody says that, but it's it's because it's true. So that time is, it's so hard, but it's such a special, beautiful time that, 
I mean, it doesn't really matter if you have ripped abs when you have a six month old. I don't think, and it's probably worse because there wasn't really social media when my kids were really young. So I didn't really have a whole comparison factory, you know, like at, at the ready every day. Like, look at me, I'm doing this with a baby. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. So, uh, well, um, I want to kind of wrap up because we are almost at, um, you know, kind of my hour markish. Okay. So my last couple questions, first of all, where can people connect with you at, you know, either online and I know in your studio, if people are around your area. Right. Um, it's 15 to fit.com. It's the number one, the number five, and then T O F I T.com. Um, that's our website. Um, they can connect with me through that. Or, um, we also have a, a Facebook page of 15 to fit Pilates bar and fitness and, we are in Mooresville, North Carolina, which is outside of Charlotte. So um, I'd say that's really the primary way. Um, we have Instagram as well um, and Twitter and all that good stuff. So perfect. But but fifteen to fit.com, you're searching that, you'll you'll find all of them, all perfect. the social media. And I'll put that in the notes. show notes. And then um, final question, I like to do a weekly challenge to all the listeners. And then when I have guests on, I have the guests throw out a little weekly challenge. So what would you like that challenge to be this week? Um, <laughs> well, uh, well, I feel a little bad because I know you have this prepared and I had thought of this. Um, oh, I know. Uh, no, because I, I thought of it, but I hadn't written it down. We do this thing and it's on our, it's on our Facebook page. Um, and we, we call it where in the world did you ab five? So ab five is, um, five abdominal exercises in Pilates. It's single leg pull, double leg stretch, scissors, double leg, lower lift and crisscross. And, um, we do that in different places. Like, uh, I did it on top of a snow mountain pile at a ski resort. Uh, one of my instructors did it at Red Rocks in Colorado. Like, I mean, like cool places. So, um, one of my instructors um, turned 50 last year, and you never believe it, but she, um, I mean, because she doesn't look 50, and she's super incredibly fit, but her goal in 2017 um, was to do Ab5 every single day, which she has done to this point, even through the flu. Wow. <laughs> so it really, once you know it, it takes two minutes, but I would do that, the Ab5 challenge. Like, um, where in the world did you have five, you know, doing at the gym, you're doing it, I don't know, on a golf course, or I don't know, we've done it all, all different kinds of places. Oh, I did it rock climbing, indoor rock climbing, like on the way down. <laughs> like when you that's so cool. Yeah, so um, that's my challenge. Oh, that's awesome. And then do you have the five moves in case anyone wants to know what those are? I do. Uh, we do. Yes. That will be is that on your website? Um, we can get it on our it's definitely on our Facebook page. But yeah, okay. Perfect. Because that way, if people are like, what are they? I will send it. Right, right, right. Yes. All right. Okay, yeah. Yes. And then I'll, I'll, I'll put it on YouTube, too. We'll just call it the Ab5 Challenge. Oh, nice. That's perfect. Where in, the, where in the world do you have five? I love it. I love it. And then they can tag you on social media. Okay. And let you know. Okay, great. All right. Thank you. It was very nice chatting with you. Yes, you as well. Thank you so much um, for sharing all your knowledge and talking Pilates. So my first Pilates guest. So thanks again. Um, and then everyone, you guys can go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. 
And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.